is the Evan York Podcast. All right, Corey, thanks so much for coming down to DFW today. Thanks for having me. It's kind of a hike from Sherman. It is. I know I made that a couple weeks ago, but um, it's getting better. It is. It's not as long of a drive as it used to be, that's for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you and learning about your business. Before we started, you let me know that your family, I know your brother's in real estate. Correct. Yep. Um, did your family, were, were you guys a real estate family or how did you initially get into the industry? So my dad was in real estate investing and it was, I mean, like a mom and pop type investor. Uh, he'd buy a rent house here and there. He may, you know, buy one, sell one every couple of years or whatever. Yeah. And so he was in that space my brother actually got his license because he uh was helping my dad buy property they um had scheduled to go look at some investment properties and i think like three different realtors stood them up Hmm. and like just no showed and my dad's like ready to make offers and this is in like 2010 whenever like a realtor would be begging for a deal and they had like three different realtors stand them up and my brother was like well i'm just going to get my license just so we can do just so he could do deals for my dad and uh, represent him on the buy side. So that's kind of what that looked like. And then of course, friends and family heard that my brother had his license and they were like, Hey, I know you're just kind of doing this for investment, but could you maybe list my house? Could you maybe help me buy this house? And then that kind of progressed from there. And um, whenever I graduated from college, you know, I uh, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. And my brother, Uh, told me that there was an opportunity to go do like some marketing and franchise development at this real estate brokerage he was working at. And so I did that uh, for three or four months. And then like after a few months of doing that, uh, and this was like a startup real estate brokerage. Okay. And things didn't work out. Like one (laughs) of the guys was unbeknownst to us whenever we started working there, like one of the guys was being investigated for like insurance fraud the oh other guy gosh like wire fraud one of them went to prison so it was like we we get called into a meeting one monday morning and they're like we're pulling the plug it's over and that we're, i was just like oh my god what am i gonna do and so i was like i guess i could just get my real estate license and i'll, I'll sell real estate until something better comes along and that was in you know i got licensed in uh january of 2014 okay and um you know i've i've been working since then in real estate and I haven't found anything better to do yet. I'm always looking, but so far (laughs) I absolutely love real estate. Well, it seems like it's working out for you. Yeah, it's been good. So, um, your brother is in Whitesboro. Yes. So when you look at like the Texoma area, it's Mm -hmm. like Gainesville, Whitesboro, Sherman goes over to Bonham. Um, those markets all kind of run together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a 20 minute drive from one town to the next, essentially. So if you're working in Whitesboro, you work in Gainesville, you work in Sherman, you go out to Bonham for clients. And we, we work down in the, you know, North Collin County, North Denton County areas as well. Okay. Yeah. So in the beginning there, I'm always fascinated by how people got their business up and running. So how did you sort of kick off business? Where did your initial prospecting come on or come from? How did you start that snowball? So whenever I graduated, um, I had just like every other recent graduate and especially any new real estate agent, I had like no money and (laughs) I was, um, trying to come up with ways to meet people and, and figure out, you know, the lead generation thing without spending money. So the big thing that I did was I, uh, volunteered at our church. That's where my first listing came from, uh, for like on Wednesday nights, I would run the game time. Uh, so like I would set up 
for all these little kids, like the most simple games that would kind of keep them uh, entertained for like their 15 or 20 minute game time before they'd go do their like Bible lessons or whatever. So I did that. And after a couple months of, you know, staying committed to that, uh, one of my uh, old family friends, like I went to high school with their son, they came up to me and were like, hey, how's the market? And I thought it was just one of those general like, hey, I heard you got your license, how's the market? And so I kind of started rambling about the market and he goes, well, let me just stop you right there. Like, I'll just cut, you know, get to the chase. We want you to list the house. And it was a, it was a 4,000 square foot house on 13 acres with a pool, a pond, a detached two car garage. And I was, I knew it was fairly expensive for mm. our market. Um, and I, I was, I just kind of was like frozen in yeah. fear of like, uh, what do I, do? I don't, I don't really know what to do. This was your first listing? First listing. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it's, so I'll tell you the price on that too. This was back in 2014, um, 13 acres, custom home, four bed, four and a half bath pool, detached garage. Uh, it sold for three seventy five. Three hundred and seventy five thousand, and at the time it's it stayed on the market for like six months. Um, we were listed at four hundred, and we had you wow. know because everybody out there they were like, "There's no way those sellers are going to get anywhere close to that asking price," and you know, "There's no way anybody from DFW is going to drive up that far to look at a property." And um, yeah, it was looking back, you're like, "Oh, I could have bought that. I'd be a you know, I'd be a millionaire just yeah. from equity in my in my house." You know, yeah. um, so. Yeah, that's where my that's where my first listing came from. And what did it sell for? Uh, so we listed it at I think like three ninety nine. Okay. And it sold for like three seventy five or three eighty somewhere that's in there. That's crazy. Yeah. Has it sold again or do the no? They still live there. Yeah. Um, wow, that's amazing. And I've the 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 broker they used to buy it was an out of town guy, and so I've actually stayed in touch with those homeowners. I'm friends mm. with them on Facebook, and okay. we always make jokes about you know their their equity and their the value. greatest deal the ever. greatest deal ever. Which at the time everybody was like not a good deal. Like nobody can afford that. And, uh, looking back, you're just like, dude, I would have bought 10 of those. Yes. Of course. And yeah, hindsight's 2020. Right. But, um, so it was really from like, you know, my lead generation was from doing free, you know, whatever was free ways to help in the community. Um, and, uh, another big thing that I'm pretty passionate about is, uh, I joined with the Whitesboro Kiwanis club, and I did that for a little bit. I was, I think I was with them for like six months before I decided to, you know, that's whenever I moved from Whitesboro over to Sherman. It was like six months to a year. And I joined up with the Sherman Kiwanis Club, which, um, you know, their, their whole mission is helping the community and serving, serving kids. So, you know, we'll do fundraisers. Mm. Um, basically, we're giving back uh, to those who are less fortunate any way that we can and just trying to support the community. Um, and so that's, you know, networking with those people uh I, I didn't approach it from a standpoint of like i'm gonna go do this so i can get business it was really um a standpoint of you know i want to i want to belong to a community of people who are passionate about the same things i'm passionate about and uh in in turn that that's kind of i guess you know i've taken care of those people and, it, and now the referrals after you know a couple of years mm. that they see that i'm there for the right reasons those referrals start coming in and maybe they start asking me real estate questions. And so that's where my first few deals started coming from was uh, just getting involved with the community and, and networking there. So it sounds like you didn't even really go hard pressed to find those prospects. It was really just put yourself in the right positions. Yeah, it was, it was more about that, you know, 
um, networking with the right the right people. Um, like I said, just people who were like minded, who were passionate about. Uh, you know, my my parents always kind of raised me to serve those in need, and so uh, that's what I've 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 kind of always been drawn to is finding those needs in the community and and helping there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. And then. So that sort of laid the groundwork and then it became really a referral business and well so before it got to referral because still it was like if you knew you know if, if somebody knew me they knew my brother he was older he'd been selling real estate oh, that's longer. a good point yeah how did you so, how did you differentiate from so him? I started I started buying leads whenever like after I closed my first couple deals I was like I think I'm gonna try yeah I think it was Trulia and Zillow were different companies back then and so I was with Trulia and I almost didn't do it because I had to sign up for like, it was like $40 a month. Hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I can commit to $40 a month. <laughs> yeah. And so like as somebody who, you know, I get my first commission check and I'm like, this has to last me for a long time. Cause so far it's like, Oh, well it took me six months to close a deal. Is it going to be another six months before this, you know, next one comes in. And so I started investing in, um, online leads. And like I said, you know, it was like $40 a month. And then maybe I bumped it up to a hundred after a little while. Um, and the, the one thing, the one advantage that I had when it came to online leads is, um, I realized that it's a speed to lead game hmm. and, uh, most, most realtors who I would be competing with, cause it was like when that lead comes in, it goes out to three other realtors too. Um, I would, I would be responding to leads at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, so I think I, there was one time I was texting a lead at like two in the morning. I got the lead and I was like, Hey, I know you're up. I'm up too. So what can I help you with? Which is not, I mean, that's not typical. Um, at the time, my girlfriend, she was living in Houston. She's my wife now, but, um, you know, she was living in Houston and I had nothing but free time on my hands. Speed to lead was the name of the game. And then from there, I realized once I started getting more and more leads, like you can't just, you can't just talk to them once and then close the deal. Like it's a, you got to have a system, you got to have a process. And that's where I really learned like the value of a CRM system, hmm. you know, living and dying by your calendar and, and all that stuff. That's kind of where it evolved from there. Uh, and then from, you know, from the online buyer lead generation aspect of it, um, I got into uh, calling expireds, calling for sale by owners, you know, to get the listing side of it. And uh, once again, for me, the, the best way to get business uh, was gonna be people that didn't know me, they didn't know my brother, mm. and it wasn't gonna be like, maybe I'll go with Colby. Maybe I'll go with Corey. Uh, it was, it was like, no, they don't know Colby. So they don't even, it's not going to be a thought They're yeah. They're going to talk to me and I'm going to get the deal. So what, what, what was the competition like in your area then? There were in, in Whitesboro, uh, it really, so you have to think about like Grayson County, uh, Cook County, which is where Gainesville, Texas is. Um, you have to think about those markets as like just old money, like, if somebody sells real estate, they go and talk to the same guy that their parents talk to, that their grandparents talk to. So it's like family names in real mm -hmm. estate. And um, that's really hard to break into whenever you're like the young new guy trying to prove himself. And so like, uh, you know, there was a lot of that, but there was also, you're starting to see like, I think after a couple of years, people started to realize, you know, DFW agents would realize, hey, there's opportunity up in these markets. Like maybe I'll start doing some some advertising up there. And, uh, it was, there was competition. Um, I, I found a way to always kind of come out ahead whenever mm. it came to that. So, 
but I remember like whenever it came to, to listing appointments, there was this one lady uh, in Sherman and uh, I think I went to like three or four listing appointments in a row and they're like, oh, we think we're going to list with this lady. And it was the same lady over and over again because she, she was winning this, uh, it's like this local award called the Best of Texoma. So she was like the huh. Best of Texoma Realtor. And, you know, it's just, it's something that they put out and people vote on it. Uh, and it's kind of a popularity contest. I mean, yeah. she's a great agent. I'm not going to take that away from her. She's a great agent. But I kept hearing that and I was like, I've got to come up with a way to overcome that because it was at every listing that I'd gone to like three or four in a row. And so I started building up my reviews online and um, I started, you know, getting more and more Zillow reviews. How did you do that? Um, I just, I made an effort to reach out to my past clients, reach out to people who knew me. It was almost more of like a character reference at that point, mm -hmm. uh, just cause I didn't have a ton of clients, but, um, there was a point where, and I, I'd have to go check now, but there was a point where I could, uh, truthfully say I was the number one five star reviewed agent in the market on Zillow because nobody was getting Zillow reviews. And so, um, whenever they'd say, well, we're thinking of going with this lady because she won Best of Texoma, I'd say, well, I understand, and she's a great agent. I do want to let you know I'm the number one five-star reviewed agent in the area, and I do that. You know, I, I was able to accomplish that by, you know, doing this for my clients, and, you know, here's how I'd like to help you in your situation. So uh, anytime I'd kind of come up against some adversity or some, some competition like that, I'd always try and think of a way I could spin it or maybe maybe overcome that objection or that condition to where I could still win the business. Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to dive into that a little bit more because okay. there's a lot of agents out there that deal with that same scenario. Yeah. It's like, I might be a great agent and this is, it. you know, it, it goes past being a real estate agent, but I might be a great XYZ. Yeah. But there's Joe that's been doing it for 10 years more than me. Yeah. And it's not that he's any better. He's just more known you're always trying to do things to come out ahead. What, what are those? Like what, what exactly would you do in order to beat this? Maybe let's use this lady, for example, what were you doing to beat her in these appointments? Well, you have to take what they're saying. I mean, like for that specific example, like the five star, the next time I heard it, cause I heard it again and again, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it never went away. I still hear it. Yeah. Um, but you know, being able to say, you know, talk more about our reviews and how we can help our clients or how we've helped our clients in the past and um and then really listen more to what the client needs and uh you know maybe tell them like an anecdotal story of like you know i had a client just like you they needed to sell their home they needed to buy a new one and they were on a time crunch kind of like you are here's what we were able to do here's the game plan and you know you can check out these testimonials after we uh after i leave i'm going to send you a link you can check those out mm. and and so from there, it was also about the follow-up, um, you know, following up with those people and staying in front of them. I changed a lot of minds from, you know, because with these appointments, it would be kind of a pity appointment, I feel like. I'd get a for sale by owner who's like, ah, you can come, you can come meet with me. Or I'd get an expired who, you know, they had a bad experience with an agent. And they're like, yeah, you can come meet with me. And, you know, but we're, we're talking to other agents. And it was kind of a pity appointment, but I, I found that I could change their mind by, you know, giving them that, you know, little bit of, uh, I guess, social proof, if you will, or if you yeah, will, with the, uh, with the reviews. And so that, you know, for that particular instance, but it really comes down to, um, whatever you hear from clients, whether it's an ob objection, a condition, cause there's going to be people out there who hear, well, we're going to list with so-and-so because they have a big team. 
and they are going to dedicate more time to us. Mm. And then you also hear the, the opposite of that is we're going to go with so-and-so because they're a single agent and they promised us that we're going to get just them. We're not going to have to deal with a, an assistant or a transaction coordinator. We want to deal with them. And so there's in any scenario, you can hear what they're saying and you can give them a, you can, I guess, reframe it and mm -hmm. then you can overcome that. So that's, that's really how I approached any objections or conditions that I would get in the listing process or, or even trying to get buyer clients. I love the point about um, pointing them back to social proof. Hey, we had a person oh, yeah. that was in this exact situation. Yeah. That, that's probably, I mean, that sounds like it probably ended up being the most effective way to overcome right. that objection. Yeah. And then whenever they, you know, whenever they hear me saying it across the table um, at the listing appointment, then they can go read the review that validates that. And then they're like, oh, there's also, you know, 15 other reviews that say similar things about his work ethic and mm. what he did for their family and their situation. It, it gives them that validation that they're looking for to actually move forward and, and work with you. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. really great. So, um, all right. So you're selling now for a while. You're starting to get reviews. Mm -hmm. You're, you're meeting competition, which is great. Uh, I want to touch on the, the leads for a second. Okay. So I know that that has changed a lot over the past couple of years. And I imagine since you started, yeah, they're a lot more expensive. They're not yeah. $40 a month. I wish they right. were. <laughs> I know. Are, are you still doing that? Are you still yes. paying for leads? Okay. Yeah. We, we, uh, invest pretty heavily for leads. Okay. Um, I think it's a great leverage point. I know some people are against leads um they they say that they're low quality uh low quality opportunities to get a client and hmm. what i've found is that uh agents who complain about the quality of leads um maybe text them they maybe call them uh but they're not following up consistently they don't have a plan on how they're going to follow up with them they they may not have them funneling into a crm that tells them what to say when to follow up with them and that's the number one problem is, hmm. is that you don't follow up. Uh, for me now, I personally, like with our team, I, I still invest in leads, but I don't work any of the online leads. Those go to the agents and then they work them through the system. Okay. Um, my business now is pretty much referral based. Um, and I just, I just don't have time to, you know, go through all the, all the new leads and talk to everybody on any given day. It's, you know, I'm out at appointments or I'm out, you know, talking to my referral clients or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, yeah. So when the nowadays with your team, when these leads come in and someone catches it, um, how, how do those come in? Does it come in like an email or a phone call or how does a lead actually show up on your screen? So it depends on where it comes from. If it's like a, you know, a Google pay-per-click or Google my business or, um, any other really like anything that's direct to our website, mm -hmm. uh, online traffic, those are routed into our CRM system on a round robin and the agents will get a text, an email, they'll get a push notification from their CRM system that's downloaded on their phone. Uh, so they're getting like, you know, carrier pigeons says, Hey, you got to leave. Yeah, right. No, not really. You can't but, miss it. Yeah. You can't miss it. So they're, they're getting those notifications that a leads come in and we talk about the importance of speed to lead. Even if you're not able to like pick up the phone and call them right now, um, don't wait five hours and say, Hey, you registered about this property, you know, send them a text and say, Hey, I'm, I'm at a showing, uh, with another client. I just saw that you're interested in one, two, three main street. When's a good time to connect. Hmm. And then just let them know that, you know, they exist essentially. Yeah. So, um, 
they, they get notified. Uh, we have a, a daily workflow of what it looks like to follow up with leads through the CRM system. And uh, we are religious on making sure that that is followed. Yeah. Mm. That's great. So yeah. have you noticed that a follow-up method is more effective? Meaning, have you noticed that if a lead comes in, sending them a text first and then a phone call works better or a phone call first and then a text? So th I, I think it, it kind of boils down to who the agent is. Like if I'm okay. looking at our team, so um, Taylor Vinoy, she sends more texts than anybody on the team. And she's really good at converting over text. Sean Harris on the other side of that is he hardly texts anybody and um, he is a phone call first kind of guy. Like, mm. but in, in each scenario, they both are very effective at communicating to the person on the other end. You know, uh, obviously if Sean calls and they're at work and they can't talk, he's gonna text them, but um, that's how he's effective and Taylor mm. is effective through text. Um, and then, you know, it's really, I think it's dependent on the agent. Yeah. I'm kind of a blend of both. I like to text, I like to call however mm. I can get in touch with them. Yeah. Yeah. So you're mentioning your team. Tell me about that. How did that start to grow? Maybe who was your first hire? So this is actually my second attempt at a team. I started a okay. team back in like 2015 or 16 and it okay. uh, was very unstructured. Um, I was pretty much the, and I'll take a lot of blame for it too. Um, I was work. I had like a, a virtual assistant who would take care of, you know, various tasks. Um, I was very unorganized, didn't have any standard operating procedures. Mm. It was basically just a, I know what I'm doing, but I was not effective in communicating to my agents that I hired. Here's what y'all should be doing. Here's how you can leverage our system. Here's how you can leverage our virtual assistant. Mm. And so there was a lot of uh, learning in that. And I was, I was with a different brokerage. Um, and uh, it was, it was kind of humbling to look back and be like, you know, it was just a learning experience. Um, and I had to take it that way or else I, you know, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to just sit there and blame the agents who weren't following up, which they weren't. But um, I also wasn't holding them accountable to the goals that they had set for themselves hmm. whenever it comes to, you know, lead generation and lead follow up. So okay. there was a lot of that that was on me. And uh, so anyways, with our current team, we have uh my first hire i actually so i actually got an agent she just randomly was like hey i want to be on a team i saw that you have a team and i want to join I, I still had virtual assistants that were doing stuff for me um but i that kind of evolved to where we needed somebody in office taking care of things um, i made a couple of hires uh learned some lessons on you know what to look for mm -hmm. and uh, I will say our most recent um, director of operations, uh, Robbie Alexander, she's amazing. Our team would not be as successful as we are without her. She kind of is the glue that holds everything together. And um, so, you know, I think, I can't remember, I think I hired her in January of 20 or 21. Okay. I can't remember exactly, I don't remember what year it was, but um, having her is kind of the backbone. So I had one agent, I hired Robbie and right when I hired Robbie is when Taylor had also joined. I think Taylor might've joined a month or two before. Hmm. So I was still fairly unorganized. Um, but I brought Robbie on because I knew she had, or I was hopeful that she had the, 
the strengths in, in organization that I lacked, hmm. which, you know, looking back, she, she's been a blessing to us. And, uh, I, I can't stress that enough, uh, what all she does for us. So, um, from there it was, uh, you know, really just kind of word of mouth. Um, you know, agents would get their license and they'd be like, Hey, I hear you have a team. I have no idea what I'm doing. Hmm. Do you work with new agents? And, um, at first I, I told myself I didn't want to work with new agents. Um, so Sean was the second hire or the second agent to, or I guess third agent to join. And I was very hesitant cause he was brand new. And, uh, but he, um, I mean, he hit the ground running and I was like, maybe new agents aren't that bad. So we do actually, you know, we bring on new agents and it's been great. I've found that I'm able to have a hands-on, you know, teaching experience and show them good habits from mm -hmm. the get-go. I'm not, you know, getting some 10-year agent that is like, well, I'm not going to use your CRM system because I've got my notebook and, you know, we're not going to do things that way. So I don't have to battle them on good habits versus bad habits. Yeah, you can yeah. kind of mold them on your systems and processes yeah. right when they come in. Yeah, exactly. So we okay. have... Um, I have, I have five agents out of my Sherman office, plus Robbie, who's our um, director of operations. Taylor uh, has stepped into a kind of a sales management role, and it's really, uh, you know, coaching and accountability with the other agents. And I'm still there, you know, to give guidance as well. And then my brother has a location in uh, Whitesboro, and he's got two agents that work there for okay. him as well. So you guys teamed up now? Yeah, we teamed up. So we had a... Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, we started off... Um, we started off at the same brokerage and one day he came to me and he said, Hey, I, I think I'm going to open my own brokerage and you know, I'd like you to come with me. And I said, okay. And I thought for, you know, a couple minutes and I was like, I'm not going to do it. Hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it was like, I was like, I just, I don't want to go reinvent the wheel and build a brokerage with hmm. you. I mean, that sounds terrible. And so, um, he went and did a couple years with his independent brokerage route. And then I went to, uh, I went to Remax cause like just randomly I got invited to have lunch with the owner of Remax and I was like, Oh, this seems cool. So I had a, I had a great experience there. And then I, I kind of got to a point in my career where it was time to level up. And that's really where I wanted to focus on building a team. And, uh, then I went to Keller Williams, um, had a great experience there. I love those people. And uh, now we're here at EXP Realty, and um, I've learned something at each brokerage. I've made great relationships, um, and uh, you know, there's there's different tools and different leverage points at each brokerage that you kind of have to look at. So yeah, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the EXP group because I so I remember years ago when EXP first came on the scene, and I remember somebody explained it to me, um, and this was a while ago. And he's explaining this to me, and it's like, I don't even know what it was. It was some kind of like... Multi-level marketing. Yeah, like, it was just bizarre. All and you it, have to do is recruit two agents. Yeah, it was that. Yeah. It was that. I was like, dude, what? Like, I'm the biggest anti-MLM guy. I I'm like, too, I yeah. don't know what this is. And then he showed me some kind of like animated office. He's yeah. like, oh, you just walk over to the desk here and all your files in here. And I, I didn't understand anything. Yeah. And then I forgot about it for years. Yeah. And then it started coming back. I'm like, oh, okay. Now it actually yeah, makes yeah. sense. But I don't know if all that went away or so I think, what. I think they're, I mean, any, it's, it's really funny. And I, I, like to, I like to make fun of EXP even as an EXP agent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's funny because if you talk to any agent, they'll tell you, 
that their perception of EXP is that it's multi-level marketing, that it's um, an MLM uh, recruiting frenzy, and nobody sells real estate, uh, which is the furthest thing from the truth. I'm not going to lie. There is, you know, there are people that recruit. Yep. Um, I mean, I recruit. I recruit to my team first, um, but what I've found, the reason I joined EXP is I looked at the um, people who were accomplishing the goals that I wanted to accomplish or had already accomplished those goals. They've built the kind of teams that I wanted to uh, build. Hmm. And I, I really looked up to a lot of these people and it, from a mentorship standpoint, from a brokerage standpoint in terms of the commission splits and the, um, you know, the revenue share, the, the discounted stock program. Uh, I looked at all that and I was like, you know, it, it's, seems like it's better than anything you can get anywhere else. And so far we've absolutely loved it. But I think the, the big thing um, is when I think about EXP, I saw all of the big players that I kind of idolized and I saw them making big moves mm. and I saw them leveraging the tools, the systems that EXP has. And um, that's something that I wanted to tap into so that I could not only better serve my clients, but better serve our team and help them build their business. Got it. Yep. Okay. So, when you sign up with EXP, what happens? Like, um, you, uh, in terms of, you mean like? I'm just curious, like, because every brokerage has their own thing. Like some people, you know, or some brokerages, you go through a specific training process and you get gotcha. this and that. Like, what happens at EXP? I hang my license there, now what? So I will say, like, so I've, I've changed brokerages four times since I've got started and um, I, I, feel like my experience through the process of changing brokerages mm -hmm. is a lot different than some others. Or maybe if you're joining EXP for the first time, I, me and Robbie were, and my brother were fairly independent on making the transition just cause we mm -hmm. were kind of, we understood the process and we were kind of telling EXP like, Hey, we're going to have these forms and these listing, uh, you know, transfer forms filled out, uh, you know, what else do we need to do? But, um, the support in transitioning over, aside from us kind of knowing what to expect, um, was very, and, and that's another thing. So like people tell you, oh, if you go to eXp, it's a virtual company. You're not gonna hear from your broker. You're not gonna hear from your supervisor. And that was the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, mm -hmm. we had, uh, we had, it was almost like we had a dedicated uh, representative to help with our transition. So we would email them a question or call and they would answer or email within just a couple minutes hmm. of, of the transition. So um, the support was pretty amazing in the transition okay. over. And um, it was actually the easiest transition I've made so far uh, in, in the few agents that we've recruited to join EXP, whether they're brand new or if they're coming over from another brokerage, uh, the support that we've gotten there from like, oh, hey, there's for some reason Trex acting weird can y'all look into this and figure out what's going on so that we can get their license moved over and all that. Um, there's just a ton of support there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's one of the myths that it's like people tell you, you're not going to have support and, um, they're just going to, they're just there to recruit. They don't actually sell real estate. Yeah. Furthest thing from the truth. Well, I, I, there, you're right. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that just recruit yeah. and they're not actually producing. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. That's everywhere. That's in every industry and in every, yeah. every brokerage. I mean, like, a uh, somebody who manages a, you know, any of these large corporate offices for other brokerages, um, when they're called the team leader or the office broker or whatever, I don't even know the names of them, but you know, those people literally their job is recruiter. 
And mm -hmm. so it's in every industry. I agree. Yep. So is there a training system that you get? At EXP? Uh-huh. So once again, we, uh, with our team, I mean, there, there is, there is tons of training. Like okay. if you're a new agent and you're joining as an individual, or if you're transitioning to another brokerage, there's a ton of training. Well, that's, that's what I'm getting at because yeah, there's there, I have a heart for people that are new agents that get their license yeah. and then they are like, now what? Yes. Where do I go? Yeah. And they, they can join a brokerage and then there's no training at the brokerage right. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it just takes a long time for them to actually figure out what they're doing. So I'm, I'm curious to know, like, if someone were a new agent and they joined DXP, are they set? Like, are they going to go through a process? Yeah, so they're going to go through a process. I mean, there's there's an onboarding checklist from, like, I have my license active, now what do I do? To um, there's, there's training classes that you can go to. Now, they are virtual. I mean, they're online. Um, I've always been big on watching videos and listening to podcasts to learn things. That's kind of how I learned best. And, um, but you can also pick up the phone and talk to a broker if you, if you need that, you know? Um, and so they, they have tons of training. Like if there's, and it's pretty much on demand. Like if there's anything that you need to know about real estate or contracts or transactions, they've got training on that. Um, and then as far as like with our team, when we bring people over, there's, um, we're more of a hands-on approach. Uh, we, you know, we don't necessarily use the, the same CRM system that EXP has. Um, so we use a couple different tools that we feel like give us a little bit more leverage. Hmm. Um, and um, so we have training on all that and it's, it's really kind of hands-on. I've also got a video library of like, if, if, I, if I've had to tell an agent one time how to write a contract or how to use the CRM system or whatever it is, then I've recorded it so that the next person that asks, that's smart. If you know, if it's, if it's, you know, midnight on a Saturday and they're like, I'm supposed to write an offer and I'm still freaking out. Like, what do I do? You know, I'll just send them a link to it's the, in video. the video. Library. Yeah. That's and a it's, great idea. Yeah. So it's, that's been helpful. Um, I have found that you still have to kind of like some people don't learn through video as well and mm -hmm. you still have to kind of walk them through it but we're a very hands-on like learn as you go kind mm -hmm. of feet to the fire type of experience but we're right there to to make sure that you don't do anything bad crazy or, you know <laughs> like yeah <laughs> you're not going to get sued or anything like that i mean we're we're very supportive with our new agents um and making sure they understand why a contract's written the way it is how it benefits their clients how it could hurt their client and you know, all that good stuff. What do you feel like new agents struggle with the most? I think the thing that new agents struggle with the most is understanding that this is a sales job and that it's not a, um, you're in sales, you're not in real estate, so hmm. to speak. I think that's the thing they struggle with the most. And they, I think they struggle with organization on their schedule, time blocking, and um, really just knowing what to do. Like, hmm. uh, there's so many distractions in real estate. Yes, that a lot of shiny objects. A lot of shiny objects, a lot of um, interesting concepts that can take you away from your tasks as a, as a salesperson in real estate. And so like if, you know, with, with our team, we've kind of built it to where um, as an agent on the team, your job is to call people, set appointments, go on appointments, write offers, uh, negotiate contracts and go to closing. Like if you're doing anything outside of that, you're, you're not doing your job as a real estate agent. Mm. Um, and there, I mean, there are some pieces to that where, you know, 
we want them to be active on social media, but we also create some of the marketing for them. So they're not sitting there, you know, trying to figure out how to use Canva right. to create All the perfect day. graphic. Right. And, you know, cause it's like, oh, I spent two hours making this graphic on Canva and I shared it and nobody liked it or, and I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. And, you know, there's no consistency there. So we're really trying to take away those distractions to where, uh, to where they're going on appointments, they're talking to people and they're doing those dollar productive activities. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So, um, how are you advising new agents to get business themselves? I know you're feeding them some leads. Yes. And we, we tell everybody the, you know, the value proposition with our team is not the leads. Um, we do provide leads, um, but that's really to supplement their, mm. um, supplement their business that they should be getting on their own. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm a huge proponent of social media marketing, um, video marketing and, uh, being involved in a community. And when I say community, it's don't think of necessarily just geographically, but it could be like for me, your so, hobby, yeah, your hobby. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, I get a ton of business from people who like hunting and outdoors and all that stuff. Um, and they just kind of, they bond with me over that. And it's a, it's a community. And I, so I, I encourage my agents to like find out what you're passionate about. Cause if you're passionate about it, there's a million other people that like it too. Yeah. And they have to live somewhere. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a great point. I've heard that from a lot of folks. Yeah. I think that's, that's spot on. Like, what are you doing anyways on the weekends? Exactly. Where are you spending your time? Yeah. Go there mm -hmm. and become part of that and meet those people. And a lot of deals will come from that. Right. Okay. So talk to me about, um, the market that you're in and that we're in, uh, I know that Whitesboro is a little bit different than it is here in DFW, but not yeah. by much. Yeah. Um, but tell me what you're seeing out there and what's, what's your market like right now? Give me a snapshot. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, we're actually over in Sherman. Whitesboro is kind of right there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sherman. Yeah, Sherman. yeah. I apologize. And, um, so, so Sherman is about an hour North of DFW and, um, depending on traffic, it mm -hmm. could be three hours. Yeah. Uh, you, you got know, here quick. Today. I got here super <laughs> quick. I was like, I'm going to get there early. And there was not a car inside the yeah. whole way down here. But, um, so Sherman is kind of a tertiary market. Uh, it is rapidly growing. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, we're, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing that our school district is going through, uh, major growth pains, our roads, our infrastructure going through major growth pains. There's construction everywhere. Uh, I've, I've heard that the population in Sherman over the next 10 years is going to double. Um, they are already outpacing their, um, projected enrollments for the new school district. And that's, wow. it's, uh, and that they're fixing to go through another big bond election, which is, you know, Sherman's made, uh, great strides in improving their school system. Um, just in the, you know, past five years that I've been involved in the community or more heavily involved in the community. Um, and they still have, uh, you know, quite a bit to improve on, which mm. they're, you know, fixing to pass this bond and, or vote on this bond. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's needed, you know, uh, with as much, um, growth that's coming, you know, those kids need facilities to go to and they need, uh, you know, the average age of the school facilities in Sherman is like 50 years old. Oh my goodness. And so it's, it's time for a revamp. It's time for a revamp big time. Um, and we're, we're seeing that, uh, and I've, I'm sure you've heard of Texas Instruments mm -hmm. has made their 30 billion, or they're making a $30 billion investment um, for chip manufacturing. And that's, that's bringing in a lot of um, 
ancillary businesses. Uh, Globotech is, you know, they produce the silicone that goes into the chips uh, for TI. Uh, they just, you know, committed to a $5 billion expansion of their facility. Um, and we're just seeing all different types of ancillary businesses come in with that. And, you know, around Sherman, we call it the TI effect. Um, it's like TI is here and this is what it's doing to our local local area. And just to kind of give it perspe uh, some perspective, um, Texas Instruments, the facility they're building is one of the largest chip manufacturer plants in the world, if not the largest, whenever mm. it's completely built out. Yeah, okay. so that's, I mean, that's significant. And what is the community response to all this? So there's there's obviously some some pushback and there's obviously people who are proponents and they love to see the growth. Um, you know, people who grew up in the quiet countryside of Sherman, Texas, mm -hmm. uh, the small town of Sherman. Um, you know, it's change is always something to adjust to and some people yeah. like it, some people don't. Um, I think overall people are excited for what the opportunities that it brings. Um, because with with TI coming um, with all these ancillary businesses and corporations, there's also really good paying jobs. One of the things that has yeah. hurt Sherman is just um, the average. I think the uh, average household income being close to like forty five or I think it's under fifty thousand. So it's yeah. it's pretty low. And these are bringing in some really good paying jobs, um, and it's it's just spurring the economy. Uh, you know, for other local businesses too that get to reap the benefits of all this do you know how many jobs they're going to be hiring for out there i can't remember the exact number i know i know with um globotech i think they were going to add like 1500 new jobs i've heard a number i don't know specifically with ti but i i've heard like over the next uh by 2025 i think it's going to be uh like 8,000 new jobs but that's not just at ti that's with some of the other ancillary businesses that are coming this way that's so. wild i mean 5,000 new jobs yeah in sherman that's a eight thousand eight i'm sorry yeah, eight thousand new jobs yeah. is a, a big deal yeah and i mean really good paying jobs too uh it's going to have a huge effect on that that whole region up there so how are you all preparing for that from a brokerage point of view from a brokerage point of view we are so whenever i moved to sherman and you know before we started recording i said i've kind of gotten to grow up with Sherman as, as they kind of started their upward trajectory of growth. I kind of started my real estate career and I was really actually intentional about that, uh, moving from Whitesboro and, and really tying into the Sherman community. I, you know, my goal was to position myself as one of the local experts, one of the go-to real estate brokerages, um, or real estate brokers and really become one of the top choices when it comes to uh, buying and selling real estate up there. And we've done a really good job of that um, mm. and, and serving a lot of people up there. What is your growth plan with your team? How many people do you ultimately want to hire? What do you want to do with that team? So I am, I, I don't have a, um, I don't necessarily have an aggressive growth plan. Um, I want to make sure that the agents we bring on are getting the attention they need. They're getting the support they need, the training. And because um, we, you know, we're very much a family. We're very, uh, team oriented. Mm. Um, if I bring on, you know, if I double the team size overnight and, you know, I feel like that can kind of isolate the new agents from the old age or not, not old I know as an age, but you know, the more seasoned, yeah, yeah. The, the seasoned agents on the team. Um, I really, I want to make sure that there's, you know, time for training and integration and making sure that they fully buy into our system, our culture, 
mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So, okay. I mean, I think, you know, if we're, if we're adding an agent or two a year or, uh, cause that's, I mean, it's not huge growth, but we're also more of the mindset of, we want to add productive agents. We're not looking to add, Hey, you got a real estate license. Come, come hang out at, at the office. We yeah. want people who want to sell real estate and who want to reach their goals and kind of have a little bit of a competitive nature. Um, so that's really what we're looking for. Um, and, uh, and, and so far I can tell you like the agents on the team absolutely have that. I mean, they're great to work with. I love being around them. Uh, just, yeah, I, I really like the, the culture that we've mm. built up there. You said that this is your second run yeah. at building a team. Yep. This second time, uh-huh. who was, or you don't have to tell me who, but what was the first hire? Was so, it an agent or was it a support role? So the first hire was, um, the, and it's been, it's been so long. I feel like it was a, I feel like it was almost a simultaneous, like, Hey, everybody, I have a team. Like I put team at the end of my name. So I'm a team now yeah. and come work with me. And right. so it was like, I think in like a two month span, it was like admin in the office and then two agents joined pretty quickly. Okay. And it just, I mean, it felt, they didn't like each other. They didn't like the, you know, (laughs) the interview process was like, Hey, do you want to work here? And they're like, sure, I guess. And so there was no vetting of like, who's actually joining and what their expectations were going to be. Um, so, uh, it was, like I said, a huge learning experience. Yeah. How did you know when it was time to hire? There's a lot of agents out there that don't know when to hire that first person and they might hire them too early. Mm Mm-hmm because that's the narrative, but then some people might hire them too late. When did you know it was time? So when I look at like the progression of my business, so from year one, I think I did like 10 transactions to year two, I think I did like 25. And then from year two to three is whenever I was like, I can't, I can't keep this up. Cause I think I went from like 25 to 50 transactions and, and it was literally me doing 50 transactions with, uh, doing all the, I mean, everything everything and i was like please hold for Corey. this is Corey. yeah yeah exactly (laughs) no and it'd be like i would be doing like i'd i'd talk to somebody on the phone in the afternoon and they'd be like yeah let's go ahead and move forward with the listing and i'd be like typing the listing agreement at like 11 30 at night and i didn't understand i didn't understand that you could have a virtual assistant help do anything like so that was a huge learning experience so i first i guess technically with the team i hired vas and um I really leveraged that out as, as an individual agent. Uh, and I'd say that was like two and a half years in is whenever I really kind of started getting into that. And then, um, then I realized like, well, it it would be beneficial to have somebody in the office. Uh, I made some less than perfect hires in that position. And that's, you know, uh, kind of like I mentioned earlier, it's always a learning process. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's when I knew is like, whenever I'm doing so many deals that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to bed at like midnight or one, literally doing paperwork and, um, waking up first thing in the morning, you know, so I can make phone calls and get back in front of people. That's whenever I was like, okay, I, I probably, whenever I got to like 25 deals, I probably needed that. So somewhere in between that, you know, second year and like second year and six months is when I really realized I needed it. But if you're, if, if you're getting so caught up in like the administrative side of the business that mm. you're having to reschedule appointments with your clients or 
you don't have time for that or if you find that you're like it's getting into your personal life that's where you really need it and that's that's how we built the team is you know we don't want our agents to be bogged down with the administrative the marketing all of that stuff because then it bleeds over into their personal life it takes away from their time that they're meeting with potential prospects and yeah. all that good stuff how did you learn about the VAs so I'm a I'm also a huge proponent of coaching and mentorship okay. and uh, I I want to say so like my first year when I did 10 transactions I think like right at the 11 or 12 month mark I hired a coach hmm. and um, I you know he he was great at taking me from I don't know anything about real estate to, hey, I can I can do quite a bit of business here. And um, then I took a, a little bit of a break from coaching and I hired another coach that was, uh, and I think in that break from coaching, I, I might've had that guy for two years, I can't remember, but I, in that break from coaching, I tried building a team on my own and it, that's when it didn't go so well. And then um, got back into coaching and I told the guy, I was like, look, you know, uh, if, if I'm going to hire you, if I'm going to stick with coaching and actually commit to this, can you do X, Y, Z for me and show me how to build a team and how to structure it? And, and if I'm willing to do the work, will you commit to that? And he was like, absolutely. Actually, I had a, I had a second coach in between those two that was, I had him for like two months. I was like, I was like, Hey bud, this ain't working out. And so, um, the third coach, uh, you know, I, I was with him for several years. Um, and took a little bit of a break and I'm actually back with him now. He's mm. uh, been a huge factor uh, in our success and just somebody to bounce ideas off of and, and get different perspectives. So uh, another thing about the, the EXP culture that has been pretty awesome too is the guy that recruited me to EXP, um, you know, he has done an amazing job in building a team here in the Frisco Plano area and he's been a great resource for me as well. And um, so that's, you know, modeling after what other people have done mm-hmm. uh, has been huge for me. It's one of the main reasons I didn't want to go join an independent brokerage that my brother was gonna was gonna open. Right. Yeah. So the coach that you have now and had before is he with EXP? Is that how you? No, uh, he's actually a Tom Ferry coach. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend that agents have coaches? Uh, Absolutely. Some do, I mean, some don't. I think the, I think that you have to, you have to have somebody that you can look up to, whether it's a, whether it's a coach in your brokerage or maybe like a team leader. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I would say that my agents consider me a co- their coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they consider Taylor their coach because she's in that sales leader role. Um, if you don't have somebody like that in your brokerage or on your team, you need to hire somebody because there's so much that you don't know about, you know, being a business owner, being a real estate agent, being in sales. I mean, there's just so much information that if you're coming from being a, any, well, really a teacher, uh, uh, police officer, fireman, any other walk of life, that's not real estate. You don't know what it is until you get into it. And you're like, Oh crap. Like mm-hmm. I've got to figure this out quick because yeah. I'm spending money. And right. I'm not <laughs> yeah, making money. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing coming in and there's a lot going out. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. How do you think people can find the right coach? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of yeah. quote unquote coaches out there. I, th- I think social media has made it easy to become a coach. You know, you yeah. just have an Instagram profile that says you're a coach and you can 
dupe somebody into thinking right. that. I think you need to, um, I think it goes back to looking up, you know, looking at those people who have accomplished what you've accomplished and maybe, maybe they're not necessarily wanting to be a coach or mentor, but ask them, you know, who do you recommend? Because they're going to have great references for you, um, on how you can get, you know, how you can get in touch with the right person. And I think you need to, I think you need to interview that person and say, here's what my goals are. Do you confidently think that you can get me from where I'm at to where I want to be? Do you have a system? Do you have a plan? And is it, you know, is it something that can help me? Yeah. I think that's it. You know, with my first coach that I got, like I said, I just got paired up with this guy. Mm. Like it was like, Hey, you know, uh, Mike's going to call you Tuesday at at 11, be ready. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, okay. And luckily it worked out great with Mike. I mean, he was great. Um, but the second guy, we kind of went that approach of like, you know, I just got paired up with this guy and we just didn't, we didn't mesh. He was, he was like, did you make your calls? I'm like, dude, I made my calls like times 10. I need help like leveraging out some of this other stuff. And he was just, he was like, well, show me, show me your breakdown of your calls. And I'm like, like, dude, this is not what I need right now. And so, um, anyways, the, the third coach that I got who, uh, has been amazing. Uh, it was really more of like an interview process and making sure that he understood what my goals were and what I wanted to accomplish Mm. and, and getting that commitment from him that he could do that. Okay. Yeah. I think your best point there was people who have accomplished it before. Yes. I think that's a huge, huge, huge factor when picking not just a coach, but anything in life that you want to model after. Yeah. Like you have to do it. uh, You have to model someone that's actually done that thing before. If they haven't done it, they're not a coach. They're just, you know, giving advice. They're opining. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be very careful of that whole, you know, those who can't do coach. That's not necessarily true sometimes those who can't do also can't coach either. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful. You mentioned in the beginning that you're a big podcast learning guy and video guy. Yes. What kind of stuff do you like to focus on? Cause I imagine you take a lot of content and then you share it with your team. Yes. So I, I uh, really enjoy the Tom Ferry podcast being in that, in that ecosystem for so long and uh, just understanding what he's talking about and being able to follow along with his, um, concepts. So I, I love Tom Ferry. I listen to bigger pockets. Um, just from the standpoint of, I, I'm also a real estate investor and I think that that stuff's very fascinating, um, to hear how other people have done it. Mm. Um, I love the Ed Milet show. Um, he's great. Yeah. And I love the Evan York podcast. <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> I know you were I, saying that you were listening to Evan York podcast all this morning. So yeah, yeah, I was. I was really wanting to get a feel for what to expect, and I mean, I love the podcast. I'll be honest. Thank I mean, you. Yeah, I saved the best for last there in that list. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that. How do you suss out how you're going to spend your time on content? Because there, you could spend an enormous amount of time listening to the podcasts out there and the videos. You could listen to a thousand Ed Milet podcasts. Do you have some kind of discernment mechanism where you go, okay, I'm going to listen to this thing for an hour or like, how do you decide that? Usually whenever I'm starting a podcast, you can kind of, and I'll say like the bigger pockets podcast is one of those where I'm like, you really have to be careful what you're hearing there because there's a lot of not smart strategies that they're using on leveraging a lot of tomfoolery. Yeah. All kinds (laughs) of like, you know, short term, high interest debt, 
thin margin. You got to be careful with some of it, but usually within the per first, you know, five minutes, I can kind of, I just can kind of hear what they're saying and how they're saying it. And I'm like, okay, this is, they're just kind of putting on a show for the podcast versus mm -hmm. like, this is their real life experience. So that's, I think I've kind of like you put it, there's a, I've got a good BS meter on what's, you know, is this legit? Yeah. Um, with the Tom Ferry podcast, uh, with that being one of my favorite ones to listen to, um, I know a lot of those personalities that he interviews. Hmm. You know, it's a lot of the people in his ecosystem um, that have, I see the production that they've done. I know that they actually sell a ton of real estate and they have hmm. great systems, great teams. And so I think being able to, to see that and know that Tom's not just gonna invite anybody on his podcast, um, it's going to be, you know, producers. So I don't know. And I, I listen to podcasts pretty much constantly. It's like, uh, driving from the house to the office, driving between showings. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I'm at the gym, maybe I listen to music, probably listening to a podcast, audiobooks. Yeah. Um, if I'm like doing the dishes after dinner or something, it's a podcast that I'm listening to. So it's like, it's almost kind of like a lifestyle. It sounds crazy, but I just listen to nonstop podcasts. I, I, Corey, where can people go to find you? How can they find your team uh, and you if they're in your market? So if they're looking to buy or sell or invest in real estate, themealsteam.com, and that's okay. um, meals like you eat three meals a day. And um, if you want to connect with me on social media, it's Corey Meals, uh, Corey Jean Meals on Facebook, and then at Corey Meals on Instagram. Well, Corey, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate you coming down Absolutely. here. This has been a blast. I've learned a lot. I took a whole page of notes. Yeah. Um, so excited to stay connected, and it's, it's great to meet you and good to know you, and we'll chat again soon. That sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me. Of course.